0: Hi, I'm Patrick Kagan, your host for Sales Hindsights, a conversation that combines my 30 plus years of experience with the expertise of my guests. And trust me, all of them will amaze you. Now, it's been said that hindsight is 2020 vision. So, my guests and I are charged with answering one thing for you knowing what we know now, what best practices and takeaways had the last 30 years in sales, sales management, executive leadership, and entrepreneurship provided to us that you can take with you. So enjoy the listen as we poversate for your growth. Okay, so thank you for tuning into our podcast, Sales Hindsights. Just by tuning in, you are already getting ahead in the process of self-improvement. During our conversation, you're gonna discover we make sales make sense. And we go beyond that. We tackle issues dealing with things like management, leadership, team building, self-confidence, entrepreneurship, and yep, life itself. So our goal will be to make all of it make sense. And we do it with a very practical and easy to understand approach. And we give you those little nuggets that you get to carry with you each day when life throws you a challenge You reach down in your pocket, you pull out that nugget, and you know exactly what to do. Now, you're going to find you like what you hear, and when you do, I want you to go to our website, pksolutionsgroup.com, for all the resources you will ever need to become the best version of your own professional self. In the podcast description, you're going to find a link to my calendar. I want you to use that to set up your free consultation with me, do it today, and do it for you. And finally, thank you for all the likes, shares, and follows. It makes a huge difference. It allows us to continue bringing you great content and great guests. And speaking of great guests, joining me today is Daniel Blue. Daniel is the founder of a company called Quest Education. He's had that business of his own for the last four years. He spent over 14 years in the business world, but the last four years, he started up this this company called Quest Education. And it's really important because the timing of this is right before the pandemic. And he's navigated through the pandemic. And what's really interesting when we're when you talk with Daniel is you realize he's he's actually discovered the formula for success. So, Daniel, welcome to our conversation today.
1: Hey Patrick, thank you so much for having me here.
0: Yeah, I'm glad to have you. So I'd love to hear um, a little bit about what Quest Education does, how you decided to do that, and the way you described it to me when we were talking offline is you found the path from salesperson to CEO and you thought that might be helpful to share with some of our listeners. So I'd love to hear about that. Tell me a little bit about Quest Education.
1: Yeah, so my firm helps people access money in their retirement accounts penalty and tax-free. So maybe you got a 401k or IRA and the idea of using that money in a penalty and tax-free way where you can take that money out and maybe use that money to fund your business, use that money to maybe invest into real estate or crypto. So you know, we do a lot of cool things in, in that area and uh, we've been able to help out a lot of people over the years. We've got uh, customers in all 50 states and I really stumbled upon this because not a lot of people are aware that they can access money in their retirement accounts penalty and tax-free. right? Like We're conditioned, Patrick, to think that retirement accounts are for like when we're old, right? Like out of sight, out of mind, it's locked up, you can't access it. That's not true. And we're conditioned to think that way because of Wall Street. Um, But if we rewind the clock, I got introduced to this concept Uh, shoot about 14 years ago when I remember talking to somebody and this is when I was in sales in the real estate space at the time. And I was overhearing conversations, people talking about they use their retirement account to flip up property. They use their retirement account to buy a rental house. And I'm thinking, how is that possible that they could use a retirement account to invest into real estate that way? Like I thought a retirement account could only be invested into a mutual fund or Tesla, you know, Apple stock. And that's not true. You know, there's these creative ways that are IRS approved where you can use your retirement account to invest outside the stock market. And I thought this was really cool. Um, 14 years ago, I'm like, man, this is awesome. Like I could see myself participating in this space at some point. And uh, that some point happened probably about seven years ago. Uh, I left the sales space that I was in and I jumped into what we call the self-directed retirement account arena and uh, ended up working for a company for a number of years. And then about four years ago, I started my own company, but I don't have... Uh, I wish I could say I'm like Gary V and you know, Gary Vannercheck. For the people that don't know, you know, he's a, a well-known entrepreneur, and his story is like, you know, he was a hustler out the womb. You know, he was selling, you know, trading you know, basketball cars and he was just an entrepreneur at a very young age. And and that wasn't me. I didn't have aspirations on becoming a business owner. Uh, That wasn't something that was on my mind. Uh, My mom pretty much raised me on her own. So we struggled financially. And uh, I remember thinking, man, I don't want to live paycheck to paycheck when I get older. I want to make sure I can take care of my mom and and pay her back for the awesome things that she did for me. Mm -hmm. And uh, sales was that way for me to, you know, essentially, you know, live a, a different life than we lived when I was a child. And sales turned into where I'm at today in terms of going from salesperson to, you know, an entrepreneur that employs, you know, people.
0: Well, and I, I applaud you because, you know, many folks um, who are you know successful by definition or who start their own companies came from um, a background of hardship. And I always say that without hardship, there could be no heroes. And, you know, you're the hero of your own story because you weren't trying to get rich to get rich you were trying to make money to repay, you know, the, the generosity and, and kindness of your mother, and you didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck. That's a that's a fantastic motivation, right there. Um, tell us a, a little bit about, I guess, your path. You know, what were the roles you had in sales and the things you did, and then what was the catalyst that made you finally say, "I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to get out of working for other people and having the, these different roles." But what were the different sales roles you had?
1: Yeah. I'll so tell a, a quick story. So I'm 18 years old. I just dropped out of college um, because I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. And I went to college just because society told me to, right? This is 07, and uh, for 2007. And I remember having this conversation with someone I met at a, at a Halloween party. I'm roofing at the time, you know, I'm 18 years old making $16 an hour. I, I think I'm a baller, but I hate roofing. And I'm roofing in St. George, Utah. It's 110 degrees in the summer. Like, mm-hmm. it's hot, right? And I remember I was at this party, and I got introduced to the host of the party, and he had a really nice house. And uh, he comes up to me. And he's like, hey, man, what do you do for work? I was like, I'm a roofer. And he's like, do you like it? I was like, no. <laughs> and I remember looking at his house, and he had these vaulted ceilings. And I just remember I was looking around his house. I was like, what do you do for work? And he's like, I'm in sales. He's like, you want a job? I was like, well, if I can get what you have, like, yeah, sign me up. He's like, come to the office tomorrow. You can check it out. So the next day I show up at the office and outside the office, like Beamers, uh, Mercedes Benz, just all these nice cars. There's no Teslas, right? It's 2007. And I walk in the office and there's just a bunch of salespeople in cubicles that are on headsets, not cordless, right? We're fancy now. We got cordless headsets. These were not cordless (laughs) back in the day, and they were just humming. And I remember just walking in that room, and I could feel the energy. I could feel the money. I'm just like, this is something I want to be a part of. I don't know what you guys sell. I don't know how you do it. I don't know your pay structure, but I'm in. And I remember starting that position. The position was an appointment setter. It was a cold caller. They gave me leads to call, but they were reprint leads, meaning these leads already had been on the floor. So it was up to me to dig through these leads, find the gold, and let's see what I made of. And a funny thing about this story, Patrick, the sales training that I got is a three-day training. So I'm thinking, okay, cool. They're going to teach me. Here's the script. They're going to role play with me. This really awesome training. You want know what their training was, Patrick? Their training was watch the secret. Here's the script go call. <laughs> and it was 150 calls a day or three hours talk time. Like that was the quota we had to hit. And I remember having some success early on first week or two, I got deals on the board. I started feeling good about myself. So I knew that I was onto something and the people that were seeing the best results, making the most money, they were closing deals. So I got into the office early. I stayed late. And I studied the closers. What were they saying? How are they handling objections? I want to be where they are. I knew for me to get to that point, I had to be a really good setter. So I focused on my craft. How can I be the best setter? Got really good at setting. I was able to eventually start closing. But the deals that they gave me to close, they were the deals that they The closers didn't want to pitch, so I had to come in on a Saturday to close deals because these closers were already on their boats on the lake on a Saturday. They weren't going to take any pitches, so I could take these other deals, right? But it's on a Saturday, but I wanted it really bad, so I worked Saturdays. And eventually just started getting ahead, right? Then I started closing these deals on Saturdays. Then I started to close more deals during the week. And then the next step is I want to have my own team, right? So I got to figure out how can I recruit, how can I train, that I have my own team, And eventually I become a sales manager and uh, did that for a number of years. So, you know, that was something where I was able to have success, but behind the scenes I was broken financially because I didn't come for money. Right. I remember thinking, if I can just make a hundred thousand dollars, I'm going to take care of my mom. I'm going to take care of me. Like we're going to be rich. And we know that's just a naive train of thought, right? A hundred thousand dollars is just uh, not, not what we think it is, especially as an 18 year old kid. So, I started spending more than I was making. I, I got in trouble with the IRS because I didn't file my taxes on time. I was just a dumb 18, 19 year old kid making hundred grand a year with no guidance. So my credit score tanked, um, my tax situation was crap. I was spending more than I was making. So I was developing these bad habits as I was making more money. Thankfully, with some some people in my life and learning from our mistakes, I was able to to, to rectify that situation. So now I'm 23, 24 years old, still doing well with sales, running sales teams. But now I have a really good credit score. Now I have money saved up. Now I've got investments in the stock market. Now I've got an LLC. I got a CPA. Now I'm maximizing my deductions. And I start getting to a point where I'm like, you know what? I can start my own business, I'm already doing all these things for this company as a sales manager, as a VP of sales. I think I got this, this, this itch that I want to scratch. I want to start my own business and I know I'm going to need to put money in. And that's where I maxed out a bunch of 0% credit cards. I emptied out my savings and, um, you know, I live in Las Vegas. So the analogy I like to use is I, I was on the blackjack table and I just went all in. And uh, I did that about four years ago. And uh, four years later, here we are coming along.
0: Yeah, well, I love a, I love a lot about that story, <clears throat> what I what I like. Without hardship, there can be no heroes, that whole theme. But um, I said in the intro that your formula for success, you discovered it. And you saw that the road to that had adversity. That didn't phase you. And no wonder you bet on yourself and went all in. What you saw as opportunity, some people would complain and say, this sucks. I have to make 150 calls a day. They're cold calls. Nobody wants these calls. There's opportunity all along the way to complain about what you have. And all you saw was this great opportunity. It was all upside to you. And I think that's a valuable lesson every you know, for every generation to listen to, that you make your situation good or bad. Your situation isn't presented to you as good or bad. You ch- You made a choice. You worked Saturdays. You made absolutely zero excuses. And also, you're humble enough to say, look, I was 18 making a lot of money and made bad decisions. And I just decided I didn't want to go down that path. And you could have. So what I like is that you're finding your way to success. You don't even know that you're doing it while you're doing it. And you're going through adversity. But it doesn't seem like adversity to you. It just seems like a great opportunity. I just, I want the vaulted ceilings. What do I have to do? Okay, I got to start at the bottom and move my way up, but then nobody ever said we're starting you at the bottom. So there's there's layers and layers of lessons that folks can learn, and I would imagine in your business now that confidence in yourself and that background makes people confident to give you their money or give you take your advice and say, what do I do with my money? Because most people feel like maybe they're selling me snake oil, maybe it's you know some scam, and I would imagine that you're successful because of your background?
1: Well, sales has a bad rep of being like this one call close shark in the water, sniffing for blood and not having a conscience. And that's not true, right? Of course, there's these crappy salespeople that are really pushy and, and you know, just not really good at their craft. or not professional. Sales is so much more than that, right? Sales is understanding where the person is coming from and solving a problem. I remember seeing a really good quote where it was, it was, I'm going to paraphrase it, but it was like, I'm so good at sales that I help people solve problems that they don't even know exist. And we can only get to that problem, that problem by asking enough questions and understanding where people are coming from and really, really caring about finding a way to help somebody. And that's, that's what sales is about and, and being able to, obviously help somebody on the financial side. That's why I love what we do for a living in the sense we're not financial advisors, we don't sell investments, we sell solutions. And and maybe someone listening to this right now is in a position where they could use 10 or 15 or $20,000 to fund their business. And the idea of using money inside their retirement account in a penalty and tax-free way to start their business, maybe that's a solution that really works for them. It might not work for everybody, But, you know, I'll give you an example. We had somebody, a customer of ours, they wanted to start a school. Like their whole goal, their dream growing up was to start a school. And life just got in the way. They got busy and they never started this school. But COVID happened. And we all know what happened with the education, the schooling system then. They saw that as an opportunity. Hey, I want to start an online school. This is the time. But they needed like $40,000 to get that school started. And it ended up working out where... They had money in a retirement account. We showed them how to access that money penalty and tax-free. And now they had capital to start their school, and they crushed it during COVID. And now that things are opening back up and the world is coming back to more of a normal place, now their school is in person as well as online, and they're doing really well. That's the kind of stuff that we love. That's the stuff that, that, that I love. I'll be honest with you, Patrick. Passion isn't something that I think of... 401k IRA is like, oh my gosh, like I wake up every single morning and like, I'm so passionate about that. I'm not, I, uh, I love it. That's why I do what I do. But what the story I just described, the button it pushes for me is purpose. Like my purpose, I like to impact people, I like to help people and the vehicle that we help people with this business, that fulfills my purpose. And maybe some of you listening to this right now, you're not passionate about what you're doing in your life. That's okay. Right. However, do you have purpose that you're living because you're walking a very slippery slope and you're going to find yourself in a funk down on yourself, maybe a little depressed if you're not filling up your passion and your purpose cup. Like I'll give you an example. My passion. I love sports. I love being able to help someone like me. I grew up in a single family. Oh, my mom raised me on her own. I fell into drugs at a young age. A lot of that had to do because I didn't have a father in my house. My passion is I want to be able to have like a a complex, a sports complex with like soccer fields and basketball courts and just put together teams and and coaches and mentors to help kids have a different place to release their stress, have a place where they can come and get some discipline, get some teams, some structure in place. That's my passion. I want to do that one day. I'm 32 years old right now. I don't, I'm not at a point where I can do that. So I guess where I'm trying to get with my whole ramble here is just make sure that you've got some of those cups filled, your passion or your purpose. Right now, my purpose is being filled, which is why I love to do what I do. I wake up with a smile on my face. I've been in a place where I didn't have my passion, my purpose cup filled, and it can be a a dark place. So I encourage you guys, you know, really figure out, you know, what what your passions are, what your purpose is, and and try to have your life, uh, you know, aligned with that.
0: Well, I love that because most um, most guests um, on a podcast are, are trying to really fill a profit pocket as opposed to a passion or purpose pocket. And I think that's good that you do that. And I think that's what has been your driving force and what, again, makes you successful. Now, here's a question I have for you. So not being a financial planner... Um, but helping people access their retirement funds for for some use hopefully that is filling a passion or a purpose for them do you ever do you ever hear someone come to you and they say they want to do something and you think it's a half-baked idea you know you could help them access the retirement fund money but it maybe you you fear that that money's going to go away because it's just a half-baked idea. Do you steer them away from that? Or do you say, not a problem. Our solution is to help you access that money. You do with it what you want. How do you handle that?
1: I'm a big proponent of people should have choices. People should be able to know all of the options on the table. And this goes back to what I was saying earlier as far as asking enough questions to help people solve a problem that they don't even know exists. And I truly believe the way that we communicate with people, the point gets across where people are going to, and especially when it comes to money, when you invest money into a business, you're, you're really going to make sure that your, your, your T's are crossed and I's are dotted from a commitment level. I think most people, you know, don't move forward with a coaching program or a mentoring program because they're not, they're not committed right? And I think it's the same thing with business, right? Like I'm in two masterminds right now that are pretty expensive, right? Like I literally could buy a car every every year with the amount of money I spend. And I don't say that to sound arrogant. Um, I drive a, a Honda Accord and that's just because that's my priority. That's my goal. One, I'm not a car guy. I kind of wish I was like, I probably would be a little bit more manly if I had like a 66 Camaro or Corvette. Uh, but two, You know, I like to live below my means and uh, I would much rather invest into myself, into education, into being in a room with other committed entrepreneurs, because I'm going to get a lot more value out of that and I can help other people too. So I would rather spend my money there. Um, So it's kind of a tangent, but where I was going with this is I'm not going to spend money on another mentoring program or a mastermind program unless I have the commitment, right? Like that's when skin is in the game is, is how committed are you? So To answer your question directly, we just take the approach of here are the options. Here's what you can and can't do. Here's what the IRS will let you do. And I believe we live in a free country for a reason. You know, America is the greatest country in the world. And we're so blessed to live where we live. And uh, I actually believe that we should have the choice to do what we want. But also, it should be, we should operate from a place of integrity. And, you know, giving people the facts and uh, being real with them.
0: That's good. That's good. And I think you're right. And I think it's. It is a choice, and when people are that passionate, and sometimes, you know, when you when you think about the sharp take approach of I will or I won't, or um, it is or isn't going to fail, we don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to succeed, and what people try the first time, sometimes it's better than the second, third, fourth iteration that they go through it. And I think what your solution does is it it augments their choices, because when now people have, I can get this money. It was mine. I'm tax free and I'm penalty free. Okay, now now what do I want to do? That And now how much have I thought about what I'm going to, what's going to happen next? And I, so it's good, and it's also good that you know your sweet spot. You're not trying to tell them do this or don't do this. Or uh, I'm sure that you let them know there's always a risk when you start a business. This is the money that you're, you know is in this account right now. But I still think that your ability to overcome your own adversities in your own life has, has laid the foundation for someone that is trustworthy with other people's money. And that's, that's not an easy thing to do. Uh, the other thing I like about uh, this whole conversation is you're not really a pitch man. You're not sitting here saying, well, in my book on Chapter 12, here's this. Or at my website, here's this. You're simply talking about what you did to become successful. One of the themes, one of the things I wrote down was you, you made it happen. You didn't wait for it to happen. Now, is there is that something that was always within you? Did you learn that in the sport? Did you just learn that from the fact that I didn't want to be a rougher my whole life? I mean, but you you literally made this happen. You didn't sit around and wait for it to happen.
1: Yeah, I think it's something that was ingrained at me, ingrained in me at a very young age. My first job, like legit job, was a a grocery bagger. 16 years old, making $6.75 an hour. However, I only took home $6.25 an hour because 50 cents an hour had to go to the union. That was my first and only experience with the union. And I'm like, what the heck did the union do for me? Absolutely nothing, but I'm paying him 50 cents an hour. So that's that. That's my story with a union. But I remember being at the lowest on the totem pole as far as Working, you know the the title with the grocery uh, store, and my job was to bag groceries and bring in shopping carts, but I just crushed it. Like I got my job done way earlier, and I saw people wearing a brown vest around the store, and those were the managers. And at the time, one of the managers they drove a Chrysler 300. I don't know, Patrick, if uh, you've seen a lot of those cars, um but back in the day, man, like those were like. Those were like the Beamers. They oh, yeah. were like Mercedes Benz, especially when they first came out. Yeah. And I was like, "Man, this guy's a baller. Like, I want to do what he does. How can I be in a position where I'm wearing a brown vest?" So I started asking my coworkers, "I'm like, hey, man, like, what can I do to step up? You know, I'm already done with my job here. What can I do?" And it got to the point, Patrick, where I'm 16 years old, and like legally, I'm not supposed to drive a forklift. Uh, legally, they I wasn't supposed to stock the shelves but I just got done with my work so early and I kept bugging them. They're just like, okay, dude, here's the forklift. Okay, dude, you can stock the dairy. And I loved it because I got to show my value. I was like, dude, I know the bosses are looking, so let me let me show them up. And I took the same approach when I roofed, all right? I started off as a grunt. Like my job was to the roofers are on the roofs up top and you know they're cutting the metal or they're putting the shingles to the tile. And my job was at the very bottom of the house and I would walk around in circles around the house and pick up the trash. Like, that was the grunt work. If one of the guys needed a can of chew, he sent me in the car to go get his can of chew, right? Like, that was my freaking job. But I'm like, no, I, I wanna be on the roof. How do I do that? Same thing with sales, right? When I got into setting, I'm like, okay, I wanna have my own team. What do I need to do to be have my own team? Well, I gotta close. So then I would just always bug my bosses. Like, okay, how do I, what do I need to do to close? All right. Well, you got to be the best setter for six weeks. All right. Well, I did that. I'm the best setter for six weeks. I'm back in their office. All right, man, I'm best setter for six weeks. What do I got to do to be a closer? All right, you got to do this. I do that. And then I'm a closer. I'm like, all right, man, how do I get my own team? Well, you got to do this. So I would always just take take the bull by the horn, figure out who's in control, like who has a lot of sway in the decisions and get in front of them and, and you know make sure that I'm uh, on their radar.
0: Daniel, that's fantastic. So I started our conversation saying that you figured out the formula for success. And I was taking notes the whole time you are talking because, trust me, there's things that I thought I was doing that you just blow me away with what you do. But I want to read some of the ingredients I wrote down for your formula for success. Tell me if you agree with them and tell me if you'd add anything to the formula. So one thing I wrote down was no excuses, so you don't make excuses. One thing I wrote down was make it happen. Don't wait for it to happen. One thing I wrote down was work with a purpose, be driven by a passion. And one thing I wrote down is when there's a will, there's a way. And then the last thing I wrote down was see opportunity where other people see obstacles. Hopefully you agree with those things. So that's why I pulled for you.
1: Yeah, I I definitely do. And um, just to give you another perspective, and this maybe might help someone listening to this right now, I had the opportunity to interview JLD on my podcast, uh, John Lee Dumas, and he's got a, a massive podcast. He's got like 100 million downloads, lives out in Puerto Rico. Really, really cool, successful guy. And I asked him, I said, what's the definition of success to you, JLD? And he goes, no, i sorry. I said, do you consider yourself successful? And he's like, yeah. And you want to know why? I was like, why? He's like, because I wake up every morning, And I look at my calendar and everything on my calendar is something I want to do. And that blew my mind because I've kind of always struggled with, man, am I successful or not? Because I I feel like some days, especially when I compare myself, and we shouldn't compare ourselves to other people, but let's face it, we all fall victim of that, where we do compare ourselves to other people. It's easy to compare yourself to your high school friends, and you're like, yeah, I'm I'm a baller, I'm successful. But then you compare yourself to other people that are chapters and and books ahead of you, years ahead of you, and then you feel inferior. You're like, man, I'm not doing crap compared to them. So stop comparing yourself, one. But the, the, the end goal for all of us should be to have success be what you define it as. That's JLDs vision of success or definition of success. Maybe your definition of success right now is your kids look up to you as a role model. They look at you as a hero. And if that's your definition of success, like kudos to you, right? Like we should all have our own way of finding peace and and happiness. So I know I kind of just went on a tangent, but you know, I did want to kind of share that story in terms of like success in, in general.
0: Yeah, no, it's a great, it's a great story. And, and, the ultimate thing that, again, I'm, I'm pulling from what you're saying is that the idea of formula for success or recipe for success, everybody is very unique, and and so success has to be defined by the individual and based on their stage in their life, based on their circumstances, and you know the common thread that I, I run into when I when I uh, talk to a lot of folks that are are passionate and do succeed based on purpose. Is that they just they they can see opportunity where others see obstacles and just nothing seems to get in their way. I mean, you rattled off a lot of things you went through as if we all went through it. I wasn't 18, I didn't have an addiction to, to pills, I I wasn't a roofer going, I want something more. You did that. Like that to you was just normal. And and where you are now is a natural progression of What's normal to you, which I think is great. So I think you're true to yourself. And I guess maybe that's the ultimate part of the equation for recipe for success to be true to yourself.
1: Yeah. I mean, because uh, ultimately you got to be the one to wake up in the morning when you brush your teeth, look at yourself in the mirror and be happy with the decisions that you made yesterday. The the choices that you made a year ago and look at yourself in the mirror and be proud of where you are today. And sometimes. That glance in the mirror, you're not proud of the decisions that you've made. And that's okay, right? I've made a ton of mistakes. I have regret. And I look at it as, man, if I woke up today, then I'm blessed. You know, God gave me another day to be alive and to make an impact on this world and people I care about. And I think also you got to remember there's when you're true to yourself and you know who you are and what you stand for, it's easy to forget that there's other people that are watching that. You are impacting, you know, there's someone that is reading your posts on Facebook or social media and they don't like or comment on your posts, but they're watching, they're reading and you're inspiring. You're helping them. You're giving them hope. You're giving them impact uh, in a good way. And uh, it's easy to forget about the people that are there in the background that uh, they don't say much, but, you know, you are serving a purpose for them.
0: Yeah, I remember saying to my wife about our kids that we are their science experiment of life, that they're always watching, even if they don't say anything and you don't do things perfect and you do have regrets. But I do believe that you're where you are today because of where you were yesterday and and yesterday, meaning, you know, 18 years ago or 14 years ago, whatever it is, this path you've been on has gotten you exactly where you are and you're here at the right time. And I think I think you're a great listen for our, our listening audience Daniel, um, where can folks find you if they want to take a look at what Quest Education offers as solutions, or if they just want to talk with you more? Are there places on, on social media? Uh, is there something on your website? Where can they find you?
1: Yeah, the best place would be danielblue.me. That's my personal website. And on the website, you can find all my social media handles. I'm under Daniel Blue, Blue like the color. And uh, I'm on you know, Facebook, Instagram. So again, that's Daniel Blue, blue like color dot me. So if you've got my social media handles there, I've got uh, a copy of my book. It's called Blueprints Your Best Retirement. It's hit uh, Amazon bestseller, and that's been a really cool experience. Just getting a bunch of random people to you know, reach out to me and uh, you know thank me, and I've never met them or talked to them in my life, so that's been a really awesome feeling. So you can pick that book up on uh, my website. It can be you know Audible or um, you know paperback, Kindle, whatever floats your boat. And uh, I've got a bunch of free content on my website as well as far as you know tactical information along the lines of retirement accounts. And then uh, links to my podcast. I've got a podcast called How Winners Win. And the mission there is to help people win in their personal life, their business life, financial life. And uh, the podcast, How Winners Win, is is on all major platforms as well. And, uh, yeah, feel free to to reach out to me if you've got questions. If you've got kind of your wheels turning right now where you're like, holy crap, I had no idea that I could access my 401k or IRA penalty and tax-free. If uh, that's something that interests you and you want to learn more, just uh, reach out to me and uh, we'll do the best I can to help out.
0: Daniel, this has been a great talk with you. I appreciate it. and Thanks for your time.
1: Hey, Patrick. Thank you so much for having me on.
0: So that's it for this time. I hope you enjoyed listening to the conversation as much as I enjoyed participating in it. Every person, every business needs some help. Take the first step in your own world go to the show description, use the link to my calendar, and set up your own one-on-one time with me, or go to pksolutionsgroup.com for all your bonus resources. We all have choices, and I'm here waiting when you finally choose a different way, a better way. Until then, let me leave you with some wisdom from one of my favorite musical groups, Rascal Flatts. Simply put, My wish for you is that your life becomes all that you want it to be.